The Secret Church Podcast is a resource from Radical.net. This is Secret Church 21, Episode 8. So what do we do? What do we do with the power and the presence of Jesus Christ himself in us? Three practical steps that I want to challenge you with. One, pray differently. Pray differently. So not just pray. We need to pray in different ways than we've been praying. And I'm not saying everyone listening has not been praying in all these ways, but I'm guessing we're not all praying in all these ways. I would confess I need to learn to pray more in these ways. And we must start here because this is where Jesus told us to start. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What a verse that Jesus would say, ask God to send out more workers. Is that not interesting? There's three billion people in the world who haven't been reached by the gospel. There are very few workers going to reach them. So what does Jesus say? Pray for the Father to send more. And why would we need to do that? Just to ask the question, why pray? Because apparently, prayer matters. Apparently, God ordains that our prayers would be the means by which more workers would go to the harvest field. Are you getting this? So when I say pray differently, I mean, well, first, pray confidently. So often we think, what difference do my prayers make? And the answer is, all the difference in the world. This is what the Bible teaches. Our prayers affect the way God acts in the world. Can I say that one more time? Our prayers affect the way God acts in the world. You look at Exodus chapter 32. You see God's people almost destroyed by God in his wrath until Moses steps in and intercedes for them. And in response to Moses' prayer, God relents and his people are spared. Our prayers affect the way God acts in the world. You look in the New Testament, our prayers shape the course of history in the world. Every major advance of the gospel in the book of Acts comes about in response to God's people praying. So pray for the spread of God's grace and glory among all the nations confidently, believing that you praying in your quiet time for North Korea actually affects who's going to North Korea, what's going on in North Korea. Like we're not just closing our eyes and saying some words. We're participating with God just like Moses was in an even greater way than Moses was in what God is doing in the world. We have no idea all that God has designed for us in prayer. So pray confidently, yes, with humility, but God is calling us to pray with humble confidence before him, believing that he will give us what we ask in his name according to his word. And we know asking for the nations is according to the word of God. And we pray specifically. So put these two together. Pray confidently and specifically for the unreached. So, God, we, we pray right now. Let's, let's just do this. Let's pray before God. Let's unite our hearts. God, we pray right now for the Pashtun of Afghanistan. We pray for Somali people. God, we pray for Yemeni Arabs. 35 million of them in those people groups. God, we, we know there's so many in those people groups who are experiencing physical suffering. They're without water. They're in the middle of war. No medical care. And Lord, they're suffering. And not so many of them, hardly any of them have even heard the name of Jesus. God, we pray that you would change that. Please change that. Jesus, we know your word. You died for 
Every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, we know your words, Second Peter 3. You desire them all to know you. God, we pray for your glory, your grace to be known among the Pashtun and the Somalis and the Yemeni Arabs. God, please save them. And we trust, God, that as we're praying this right now, that you're hearing us and you've ordained our prayers to be a means by which your glory is made known among them. God, we pray, send laborers to them. Send laborers even from among us tonight. Blessed laborers working in those places cause disciples we made and churches we multiplied there. We pray for your glory. We pray like this. Just pray confidently and specifically and sympathetically with compassion for the lost. God, help us not just to see what you see, but to feel what you feel when it comes to the unreached. When you love people, you pray for people. And pray continually. I'm talking every day. Like I, I try to use the Joshua Project app every single day. We've worked with the Joshua Project and the creation of Stratus. All the information about the unreached is from them every day. If you don't have the unreached day of the app, uh, unreached of the day app, like download it right now. Like just go on your phone and download unreached of the day and just open it up every day and pray for an unreached people group that day. Like, Today's people group is the Sunda people in Indonesia, around 38 million of them, 0.05% followers of Jesus. So largest unreached people group in Indonesia, 99.95% Muslims among 38 million people. Most of them have never heard the good news of Jesus' love for them. And that's a good use of 60 seconds in your day. God, change that, change that. Do that every day. If you're not, Praying like that every single day, let tonight be the start of praying like that every single day, continually and expectantly, knowing. So Revelation 8, in your notes there, that every single prayer for God's name to be hallowed in all the earth and God's kingdom come to come on earth and as it is in heaven, that one day at the appointed time, that last prayer is going to be prayed from your mouth or my mouth. Only God knows his kingdom's going to come in response to our prayers. God has ordained our prayers to bring about the coming of his kingdom. And if we believe that, we will pray differently. And second, to give differently. So even as we're giving tonight, I want to encourage you to keep doing so, knowing that obviously if we're going to rectify the great imbalance, we can't keep giving in the way we have given as followers of Jesus in the church up until now. If we do that, we will perpetuate the great imbalance. We'll keep spending the majority of our money on ourselves, and on our comforts and our churches, and then when we actually do give to missions, we'll spend the majority of that money on places that have already have the gospel. So we have to give differently if we're gonna obey the Great Commission. If we're gonna accomplish God's purpose for our lives, which means God's calling us to give differently. So what does that mean practically in each of our lives? It means we must give wisely, think about where we're giving, where we're giving, who we're giving to, who we're giving through. And obviously I'm not gonna to presume to know exactly how the Holy Spirit is leading you to give of your resources, but here's some ways I would encourage you to wisely give based on all we've seen tonight. Start by prioritizing needs. Prioritize needs. Look for urgent spiritual need. Look for places where the gospel hasn't gone. Look for urgent physical need. So again, part of the purpose of Stratus is to highlight the places of most urgent need, even the collision of those two, that index. And just to be clear, we didn't come up with like this ranking. 
And we just came up, we just put the data in based on the data. These are the countries where urgent physical and spiritual need collide most. In places like Afghanistan, Somalia, Yemen, Maldives, Sudan, Pakistan. And then if you scroll down and you keep going on the Stratus Index on that site, you'll start to see countries that we often give to. And again, I'm not saying we shouldn't give anything to these countries that are farther down, but if we're gonna rectify the great imbalance and obey the Great Commission, at some point we need to shift the priority to places at the top of that list, not the bottom half of it. So give in a way that prioritizes need and overcomes barriers. Again, Stratus intended to help us see not just where the needs are, but what, what those needs are, and why those needs exist, and what it's gonna to take to overcome those barriers. So give to Bible translation work in places where the lack of a Bible is a significant barrier to making disciples there. In a similar way, give to water projects in places where the lack of clean water is a significant barrier to making disciples there. Give to school development in places where a lack of education is a significant barrier to making disciples there. Wise giving prioritizes needs, overcomes barriers, supports indigenous Christians as in places particularly of urgent spiritual and physical need. So let's get behind faithful, accountable, accountable brothers and sisters around the world who are doing the work where they already live among the unreached, who know the language and the culture because they've lived in it. Let's give wisely to our brothers and sisters among the nations, the mission force in the mission field. At the same time, yes, let's support expat missionaries in places of urgent spiritual and physical need. By all means, give wisely to support people from your church, other churches, especially with an increasing focus on going to unreached places, places of urgent spiritual and physical need. A few more ways to give wisely. Fuel clear gospel proclamation. Gives in, give in ways that magnify, not minimize, the proclamation of the gospel as much as possible and as faithfully as possible. Don't give to work that's diluting the proclamation of the gospel or perverting it as a path to prosperity in this world. Fuel clear gospel proclamation. Similarly, given ways that foster healthy church formation. We want to make disciples and multiply churches. That's the Great Commission. So even if we're proclaiming the gospel, even making disciples or seeing what's sometimes referred to as disciple-making movement, if we're not gathering those disciples together in healthy biblical churches with healthy biblical pastors that are sending out healthy biblical missionaries, we're not doing what Jesus has told us to do, which is ultimately the point. So given wise ways that further the Great Commission, and the process of rectifying the great imbalance. So keep going with me as you give wisely, give willingly and sacrificially. This is the kind of giving God calls every one of us to, to willing, sacrificial giving. We won't get the gospel to all the nations in our lives and our churches if we keep giving relative pennies on the dollar. Passages like 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 beckon us to ask, are you giving less than your ability, according to your ability? or beyond your ability for the spread of the gospel among all the nations. See, the woman who gave out of her poverty all that she had to live on. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we're probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they're too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. So are we giving in ways that hurt, in ways that require sacrifice, us to give up things in our lives, in our churches? That certainly seems to be the kind of giving that the gospel requires. A friend of mine who works in Yemen once asked me, 
What would happen as the church if we stopped asking how much we can spare and started asking how much it will take? What's it gonna take to get the gospel to all the nations? It's gonna take God's people giving very differently, wisely, willingly, sacrificially, give generously and cheerfully. Think about it. Based on 2 Corinthians chapter 9, generous giving leads to greater glory for God and generous giving leads to greater joy for us. When will we realize that God has designed our hearts not to be happy in getting, but in giving? Not in hoarding more for ourselves in this world, but in giving of ourselves for God's glory in this world. Give for God's glory and our joy as an individual or a family that starts with each of us and then as a church. We must start spending money differently as members of churches, as leaders and pastors of churches, if we're really going to obey the Great Commission. Give as a church, give in cooperation with other churches, knowing no one church is called to do this alone. This is the picture of giving we see all over the New Testament. Pray differently, give differently. Third practical step is a takeaway from this night. Just trying to put practical handles on this in our lives and get our minds racing in all the different ways God might lead us to obey the Great Commission and rectify the Great Imbalance. Third practical step, go differently. Go differently. So brothers and sisters in Christ, there are over three billion people in the world who haven't heard the gospel and we are sending hundreds of thousands of missionaries and going on countless mission trips to places that have heard the gospel. Again, not that all those things are wrong, but we must go differently. Now, don't start to immediately think here, okay, so this is, this is that part that's just for missionaries. No, this is for all of us. So this, follow with me, starting right where you live. I put Romans 16 in your study guide at this point because right after Paul talks about his ambition to preach Christ where he's not been named, his desire for the church of Rome to help him specifically get the gospel to the unreached in Spain, he lists out 26 different people who are all playing different parts in the spread of the gospel right there in and from Rome. I'm just going to read them. Prisca, Aquila, Eponidas, Mary, Andronicus, Junia, Ampliatus, Urbanus, Stachus, Apellus, Herodian, those in the Lord who... Uh, belonged to the family of Narcissus, that's an unfortunate name, Tryphena and Tryphosa, the beloved Persis, Rufus, also his mother, Ansicritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister Olympus, and all the saints who are with him. I love this. This wasn't just Paul and Peter and James and John doing this work. It was Rufus and his mom. <laughs> like we named our kids after Paul and Peter. Who names their kids Tryphena or Tryphosa? Like, no offense if that's your name. I think it's an awesome name. But here's the picture. God has given the same exact command to all of his people. In every sector of society, in every domain of life, make disciples. Starting right there among the neighbors right around you. This is the beauty. We talked about it earlier. Like Jesus' plan for reaching the nations involves you and me making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So do this right where you live. Wherever you live, wherever you are, whatever your age, whatever your job, if you're in school, doesn't matter. The call is still the same. Make disciples right there. You don't have to move to another nation to do this. Do this right where you live. And even think about how to make disciples among the nations right around you. Like in God's sovereignty, he has brought the nations to us. I mentioned I live in Metro Washington, D.C., where God has brought so many people groups to live. The same is true in Birmingham, Alabama, where I used to live. Somalis, Turks, Kurds, Sudanese, Indians, Iranians, Mongolians. The list goes on and on and on. 
This is no accident. God is bringing the nations to us. What he said in Acts chapter 17, so let's make disciples of the nations next door to us, reaching out to people who are not like us, whatever each of us is like, and make disciples for the nations right around you. Meaning, as you make disciples, walk them through all that we're walking through tonight. And this is walking through this kind of discipleship. Don't just put this over in a missions category. This is what it means to follow Jesus. So when you lead somebody to Jesus, show them that their salvation isn't just about them, that God has saved them for the sake of his name among the nations. Show them that they were created to enjoy and exalt God's glory among all the nations. So start like tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, making disciples of the nations, among the nations, for the nations, right where you live. Go like that. Like, just that will change everything if we're going like that, and then go wherever God may lead, knowing that each of our lives is God's to lead. So let's all, let's all, every single one of us, lay our lives down before God and say, God, is there anywhere else you want me to go? Specifically among all these people who've never heard of your love, with three billion unreached people in the world, and such a relative small number of missionaries working among them, wouldn't it stand to reason in light of all that we've seen in God's word, that he's calling many more people to go to them? Like, multitudes more to go to them, not just a few multitudes among three billion people? God, we ask that you would do it according to your word in Matthew chapter nine. Send out more laborers, even from among those of us who are watching tonight, walking through this tonight, send out laborers. Now I put Acts chapter eight in your notes there, Philip getting zapped by the Holy Spirit to an Ethiopian chariot, chariot, and maybe that'll happen to you, probably not, but the Holy Spirit is absolutely still in the business of setting people apart and sending them out, just like he did in Acts chapter 13. And the way I understand Acts 13, the church at Antioch, Holy Spirit setting apart, not everybody in the church at Antioch, but specifically Paul and Barnabas, to go where the gospel hadn't yet gone. And it seems that every follower of Jesus has two options then when it comes to the unreached in this great commission. And I would phrase them here as two questions. One, are you a sender? Or two, are you a goer? Are you a sender or you're a goer? In Acts chapter 13, God set Paul and Barnabas apart to go to the unreached. And the rest of the church at Antioch sent them out. So goers and senders. And every single one of them in that story is playing some part in this work. And every single one of us, God is called to play a significant part in this work. And regardless of which part God calls you or me to play, both require sacrificial resolve. Many will sacrifice to go according to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But they're not the only ones God is calling to live sacrificially, while senders sit back and live it up in the comforts of this world. No, we all lay down our lives. We reorient the way we think, desire, and act, and pray, and give, and go in order to get the gospel to all the nations in different ways, so follow this in your notes. From the reached to the unreached, meaning going from reached places to unreached places, or with the reached to the unreached, meaning what we talked about earlier, realizing that we've gotta look at mission fields now as mission forces. As churches have been planted, disciples have made in those places, and we need to start going with our brothers and sisters in Latin America, and Sub-Saharan Africa, and parts of East Asia or Europe to places that have never heard the gospel going with the reach to the unreached. And the opportunities for us to go are limitless. We can go short-term, think one to two weeks, knowing, obviously, you can't make a mature disciple, plan a healthy church, train a qualified pastor among an unreached people group in a matter of a week or two, but you can play a part in the overall process of making disciples and multiplying churches among that people group through wise, short-term missions. 
So praise God for the accessibility of travel today. You and I can be among many unreached people groups in the world in a matter of 48 hours. Like how awesome is that? That seems like a good way to spend PTO or spring break or Christmas break or the summer, which leads to opportunities to go that I would call midterm. So think a month or two, or a year or two. Think about spending a summer or maybe six months or a semester if you're a student or a year, two years among the unreached. Think retirees or others with jobs that might have flexibility along these lines. And think students. What a unique opportunity that students have to take a summer, a semester, a year or two to go and work for the spread of the gospel where it hasn't gone. Like I think about Mormon families who expect their graduating senior daughter or son to spend a year somewhere else in the world. If they are that committed to spreading a false gospel that says you have to work to get to God, then what does that say about you and I who have the true gospel that God has made his way to us? We have the truth about Jesus, not lies about Jesus. So why are we not expecting graduating seniors or college students to spend at least a summer, if not a semester, a year or two, in this unique window of life for the spread of the gospel in the world? That's part of why Radical created that gap year program that spends part of the time among the nations in D.C. and part of the time in the heart of the unreached. I challenge every single student listening tonight, unless God clearly calls you otherwise, plan to spend at least a summer, if not a semester, a year or two, somewhere in the world where the gospel hasn't gone before you move on to the next stage in your life. Like Make that your default. And God will... Either use your going midterm to radically change your perspective of your life if he continues to leave you among the reached, or he will use that time to lead you to go long-term, like more than two years, basically to move to work among the unreached. And even here, there are so many ways that can happen. You can go as your vocation, meaning God may call you to leave your vocation, make your new vocation, making disciples, multiplying churches among the nations, specifically among the unreached which will require, much like what Paul talks about there in Philippians chapter four, depending on the church, fellow followers of Jesus, to support you in that work. Or God may lead you to go to the nations through your vocation, much like he, he did with Paul in Acts chapter 18, where Paul worked as a tent maker in Corinth. And much like God did with Paul, there are multitudes more ministry opportunities for work among the nations for us today. Like what if God is calling some of us not to leave our jobs for the spread of the gospel of the nations, but to leverage our jobs for the spread of the gospel of the nations? Teachers, engineers, nurses, all kinds of medical professionals, all kinds of workers in all different domains. What if we intentionally look for jobs among the unreached? What if we realize that God has designed the globalization of today's marketplace in such a way that the nations will pay for us to go spread the gospel to the nations? Even nations that won't welcome missionaries in the traditional sense will welcome workers with all kinds of different jobs. God, help us. We have more opportunities to take the gospel to all nations than ever before if we will take them. God, help us to think creatively when it comes to traveling among the unreached, studying among the unreached. Students, why not go and study, get a degree, at least spend a semester abroad overseas among the unreached? working among the unreached, retiring among the unreached. South Florida is not the only destination option you have. Try Southeast Asia or North Africa. Instead of a summer home in Central America or the Caribbean, why not Turkey or Morocco or Malaysia? Like, how are we going to spend our lives for the purpose of God? Consider all the avenues God has created for us to go to the unreached. This is where I get so exhilarated because I certainly don't know each of the tens of thousands of people who are listening right now, but I know God has given each of you different gifts and skills and educations and experiences, and he's done it all for one purpose, for his glory among the nations, if we'll just see it. 
We'll just see this in each of our lives. And we won't underestimate what God wants to do in and through our one life. Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes from Secret Church and thousands of other free resources at Radical.net.